Praise the Lord. I tell you what, how many of you in here <clears throat> have been out to see our show the last couple of days? All right. Praise the Lord. If you haven't been out to see our show, shame on you because you've been missing the move of God. Amen. I mean, we have had a move of God. We've had, I tell you what, guys, there's been some, some, some walls in people's life that have been broken. There's been, there's just been some amazing stuff, some stuff that honestly that I have, I, I, I've been refreshed. Over this meeting. I mean, God has really been, not only has he touched people in the audience, but he's touched my team. I mean, this has been a great, great crusade. And well, you got two more chances if you haven't been out. We're going to be here at three o'clock and we're going to be here at, at six o'clock tonight. Seven o'clock tonight, three and seven tonight. You don't want to miss it. You want to come out. We got a new guy, Cody, on the team that we've been trying to kill pretty much. We've been giving him all the feats of strength, and so far he's passed the test. Now, he's got a, a nasty little gash on his arm there, but it'll be okay. We've all been through it, praise the Lord. But, guys, we're going to have a good time. If you don't like to have a good time in the house of God and you don't come to the house of God for freedom in Jesus Christ, if you're a Pharisee and you're of a religious spirit, you're not going to like me at all, amen? Praise the Lord. But quite honestly, I don't like you either. So we're just going to go ahead and get that out of the way. Praise God. And guys, I've come here today and God has put a message on my heart. And to be honest with you, I have looked at this and I've, I've, I've read it and I've, I've, I've preached pieces of this that God has given me. Uh, but I've never put the whole thing together. This will be the first time that I've ever put this entire message together. And I want you to to just bear with me as I stumble my way through this, okay? Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 is where we're going to begin. Now, I preach out of the King James Version. That's what I was raised in. That's what I know. If you have any other version of the Bible, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I particularly have this King James Version, and that's what we're going to be preaching out of this morning. So if you'll flip through your Bible and get to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13... Guys, I have a message for you this morning that I hope is going to change your life. If you look at it, in the King James, it says this right here in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, ye are the salt of the earth. Somebody say salt. You're not even close to where I'm at. Somebody say salt. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Question mark. It is thenceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out, the salt which you are, but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to talk to you from a thought that has been on me the last several months, and I just can't seem to shake it. I want to, I want to talk to you this morning about, are you a, a people of influence? Are you a people of irresistible influence? Father, I thank you, God, for your anointing. I thank you, God, that you speak to my heart and to my spirit. God, I just don't know how to say it, but thank you for finding me faithful enough to put me in the ministry. And I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to my heart and to my spirit with a message that's not just time to fill. And they're not here because their social life stinks or they got nowhere else to go. But we are here because we want to hear from your word, this divine scripture that you have so preciously given to us over the last few hundred years that has been translated into English. Now, I thank you for that. But now... 
Right now, Lord, I need your help right now. I need you to lift me up above my abilities in this place that I can bring forth a life-changing message that we can mark this day on our calendar and say that that day my walk with God changed because that day I became a person of irresistible influence in a dark and dying world. Now, Father, lift me up above my abilities in this place. Thank you for your heavy anointing that is shaking my very soul. Thank you for the anointing that I felt in praise and worship. Now, possess me, Holy Ghost, and everybody that loves him, say amen. If you want to go to heaven, say amen. Guys, I'm, as I look through these scriptures and I look at different versions of the Bible and I run through the scriptures and look at verse number 13, look at verse number 16 one more time. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. You know, as I took that verse and I began to look at it in different translations of the Bible, I found it in the Amplified, and I love what it says in the Amplified Version. You see, the King James Version of the Bible is limited on its vocabulary. It's limited on its the way it's descriptive because the King James, when it was made, our English language was 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 primitive at that time, and we didn't have all the all the uh, the, the different words that we have nowadays to describe the Bible, to describe and be more descriptive. But if you look at it in the Amplified Version, it says this right here. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence, your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Can I give you a Josh Wisnat translation of what that means to me? As we walk through this life, guys, and we run into people, and they know that we claim to be a Christian, and they experience our spirit, and they, they see what is inside of us. That, you know, that, that j- just the inside of us, that, that we're like a light that's on a, on a hill that cannot be hid, guys. That when they see us, they know that we're a Christian. That they know that, hey, there stands a Christian. You know, David said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You know, you don't even have to be a Christian to praise the Lord. You have to be a child of God to worship Him. Amen? And you know what? David said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That means that when we come in contact with people and they experience our spirit and they, they see what we truly are and they know that we claim to be a Christian, are they, are they let down? Do they, do they feel like they've been put out? Do they, do they, or does the spirit that is inside of us that is so strong that emits like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid that they want to raise their carnal hands and worship your God? Do you understand that? You see, ladies and gentlemen, isn't that what Joseph's life was all about? I got to be honest with you, Pastor. I, uh, <laughs> I thank God that I didn't have to go through what Joseph had to go through. Because if I had to go through what Joseph had to go through, I promise the spirit of slap would have come on me in a time or two pretty heavy. You hear what I'm saying? That man went through a lot. But guys, I began to learn something. I began to study Joseph's life. And when you begin to speak out a vision of where you're going to go... And when you begin to tell people, hey, this is what God has for me, and this is where I'm headed, God showed me this. The first thing that's going to happen to you is somebody's going to misunderstand you. And normally that somebody comes from somebody in your own family. Do you hear what I'm saying? And after that, they threw him in a pit, and God came by and said, you know what? i got a plan to figure this thing out. So they put him in a caravan, and they took him down to Egypt. And they put Joseph in Potiphar's house. And for two years, he was a golden boy. And everybody was, you know, everything was going great for Joseph. And God began to show me something. 
that when you begin to speak out that vision and you begin to walk in the vision that God has for your life and you begin to head towards the mark where God wants you to be, the first thing that's going to happen to you is somebody is going to misunderstand you and the second thing that's going to happen is somebody is going to lie on you. And what do we want to do? We want to get up and we want to rear up in the flesh. And Guys, that's not letting your light shine. Now listen, I'm not talking about getting run over. You're not going to run me over. You're not going to knock me down. But I'm saying we have to show the love of Christ. Guys, I have all compassion for the lost. I have all compassion for those that are hurting. For those that are that are in need. But can I be honest with you? I cannot stand the very sight of an old Pharisee, traditional, evil, foul church person. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's because their light is out. Their light is, their light is not shining. Guys, you got to understand something. Christians will treat you in the proper way. But I, 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 look, I can't tell you that much about drugs and I can't tell you that much about the world. But I can tell you about church because I've been raised in church. And some of the meanest, most cantankerous people you will ever meet in this entire life, you will find in the house of God. Amen? You know what? Some Christians, I mean some sinners won't treat you like some church people will treat you. Amen? Guys, you got to understand it's because their light is out. It's not shining. They're inside of church and they're trying to walk out something that they're not. you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we should let our light shine. Amen? We should let our light shine. I mean, <sighs> Joseph ends up in prison. Well, he didn't say, well, bless God, if that's how it's going to be, you know, they know I like to sing and... And, and, and I tell them that I like to sing and they don't ask me to join in a choir and they never ask me to come up and sing. And, and well, here's a little revelation for you. Maybe you're not that hot of a singer, amen? Maybe because if you were that hot of a singer, they would ask you, you know what I'm saying? All I'm saying, guys, is it's time to grow up. It's time to be salt. It's time to be light in a dark and dying world. Joseph, he just kept on keeping on. He just kept on ministering. He was in prison and he was ministering, guys. That's the way we should be no matter what's going on in our life. He just kept on moving on. He just kept on had letting that light shine in his life. No matter what was going on in his life, he let that light shine. And people came to him and said, you know what? I tell you what, when I get where I'm going, I'm not going to forget you. God showed me something. Don't you believe that for a minute? Because there's going to be people that come across your life that are going to try to take you when they promise you that they're going to take you where God has promised to take you. And you cannot allow that to happen because if you let people take you where God has promised to take you, when you get there, they're going to be standing there with their hand out waiting for you to pay them back. But when you get there, they're going to leave you. But that's okay because God wants you to be light. He wants you to be salt in a dark and dying world. Am I helping somebody this morning? God woke up one, Joseph woke up one morning a prisoner and laid down that night a prince. Why? Because when God got ready to do a work in his life, he can do it in a hurry. Do you understand that? That's why we have to be in the direct center of God's will. We have to have the passion and the power in our life that we can produce an effect and change in people, produce an effect and change in our community, that when they see us, that we influence their life because of what is inside of us, amen? That we become a people of irresistible influence. And I'm going to throw something in here that's not in my notes. People ask me all the time, I don't know what the will for my life is. Can I tell you what the will for God's life for God in your life is. It's very simple, guys. Nothing comes by our way unless it is approved by God. Nothing happens by coincidence. It just doesn't happen. 
Everything that comes by your way is approved by God. You have to realize that. The will for your life is find a need and fill it. That's it, guys. God is not going to put a need in front of you for no reason. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you see a need, you feel that need, and that is the that is the, the will for your life. That is God's will for your life. If you will keep that simple, simple, find a need and fill it in your life, you're going to go a long ways in Jesus Christ. Amen? But guys, there's a question that's been stirring my soul over the last few months. A question... That's been just just on me as I, as I stand in front of every congregation week after week after week. And that question is, ask yourself. If your community and your neighborhood woke up tomorrow morning and you were no more and you were gone, you were gone, your ministry was gone, would anybody even notice that you are missing? Would, even, would anybody even know that you are gone? And if the answer is no, guys, then we are not a light in a dark world. We are salt that has lost its savor. Now listen, guys, I'm not preaching gloom and doom, and I, I, I wish I could preach so that you could shout, but guys, Jesus is coming, and we have got to get this thing right. Amen? Would they miss us? They would miss the 7-Eleven, and they would miss the stop and shop. They would miss the Walmart, but would they really miss you and me? Would they even notice that we're gone? Would, yeah, they would miss our buildings. I understand that. They would miss our structures. But the question is not about the building. The question is about your life. The question is about your ministry. It's about your touch in the community. And I understand that you attend a great church. And I thank God for the people in this church that create huge outreaches in this church. But guys, just because you're part of a corporate body does not excuse you from being a light in your community. It does not excuse you from being a light in your neighborhood that show shines before men. Do you understand that? God, let us be a light that is so bright and so illuminating and so invasive and so penetrating that every crook and cranny of our community knows that we what we really are and what we really stand for, and that is the right thing. Let us be a salt that is so savory and so seasoned and so inviting that every hungry, willing heart that is ready to eat is so enticed and taste to see that our Lord is good. Amen? Guys, that is irresistible influence. But the truth and tra- the truth and tragedy of the matter is, is that we have little or no influence in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And I know some of you in here might be looking at me thinking that I might be prying into your personal life or being a little bit presumptuous. But guys, I haven't heard of many communities and many neighborhoods lifting up their hands and worshiping your God. And the book says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Guys, it's quite the opposite when we begin to look around. In most cities, in most cases that I go, I go and I stop at the nearest convenience store and I say, where's the closest assemblies of God that I'll be preaching at that morning? Or I say, where's the closest Methodist church? Or where's the closest First Baptist church? And the guy standing behind the counter don't even know what I'm talking about. A church that's been there for forever, two blocks walks away, doesn't know what I'm talking about, doesn't even know where the building is. Guys, how can they miss us if they don't even know we're here, amen? Let your light so shine before men. It is sad to say, but in the modern church, the modern day church has little or no influence in this post-Christian society. 
Less than 100 years ago, the church was a presence and an influence in the community that had to be reckoned with. Politicians ran things by Christian people. How do you feel about the church? How the public's interest and the, the public's admiration that allowed us to speak with a, with a, with a light in the community and let us be the center of the community's light. But yet over time, the pillars of truth of God's word have been eroded away by spirits of religion and we have turned inward. And with that, we have lost our influence in the church's importance. The church has become come branded as a useless commodity. Ask any social or, or major leader in our community what they would rather have. A new Walmart or a new church? And the answer will be Walmart every time. Why? Because Walmart... The painful answer is, is Walmart is now doing what God intended the church to do. They're sending out scholarships. They're helping the needy. They help in times of disaster. They, 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 they do stuff in the community. They send out self-help programs. God help us that a place of discount, a place of retail is doing now what God intended the church to do. How did we get to this point? Studies today show that the public and the media and the intellectual leaders of our society do not view Christianity as a dominant force in our community anymore. But instead, six out of ten Americans believe that the church is irrelevant. In fact, one out of three pastors believe that the church isn't even making an impact in our culture. One out of three pastors, my God, if we don't believe it. Guys, I'm not preaching gloom and doom, and I wish I could preach so that you could shout, but guys, Jesus is coming, and we have got to get this thing right. Amen? We've got to get it right. The average evangelical church in America exists for itself. For the most part, we exist for ourselves, our religious routines, and our facilities, and our performances, and our chili shoppers, and our services for saints. I thank God for all of that. But guys, I, we have to become, we have become cocooned inside of our comfort zone and we have to cry out to the Father and say, Lord, show us and, and, and enable us to be able to reach lives again. Guys, it should be our prayer that when we stand in front of people that we can reach out and touch people's lives and when we pull our hands back, we leave nothing but the fingerprints of God so that they will know that a child of God has been in their midst. Amen. Guys, we've got to get this thing right. Jesus Christ himself said, Say not ye that there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white with the harvest. We have no laborers. Jesus prepared a meal. He prepared a meal and he said, go invite them. So they went out to invite them. They went out to invite them and one man had bought an ox and he had to go pick it up. Another man had bought a piece of land and he had to go tend to it. Another man had got married and got a wife and he couldn't show up. Jesus said, invite him. If that don't work, go get him. You hear what I'm saying, church? Go get him. So they went out to get him. And the house was still empty. And Jesus said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them. Oh, pastor, I got so excited when I looked up that word compel. In the Greek, 
It's a wrestling term of taking the left arm and pulling it up behind the back and taking the right hand and pushing the left shoulder down to the floor. Jesus said, and bottom, if that don't work, go get them. If that don't work, beat the dog out of them. <laughs> Guys, that's not what I'm saying. Now, I know Jesus wasn't talking about whooping somebody. Well, I got a buddy that's pastoring a church right now. He's got, <laughs> I know a few people that could use a good whooping every now and then. He's got five demons, I mean deacons, on his on his board, praise the Lord. <laughs> But you know what, guys? Jesus is saying, do whatever it takes. Christ said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for there are white with harvest. In other words, look up. Look up. We've been looking selfward long enough. Look up. We've been tending personal needs long enough. Look up. We have been high-maintenance, low-impact saints long enough. Look up. And let's get some people saved. Amen? That's all that matters in this life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and how many people you pull out of the ditch. That is it. That is all that's going to account for eternity for the rest of our life. Do you realize that? <sighs> Guys, that's why Isaiah said the rise and shine. For the Lord is risen upon thee and behold the darkness shall cover the earth and the earth the gross darkness. Guys, the people and the Lord shall arise on thee and the glory shall descend on him and the Gentiles. That's the lost. That's the unchurched shall come to the light. Let your light so shine before men. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of salt and light. Greatest example. How do you know? I read it in the word. They couldn't resist his words. For the words that he spoke, they said, never a man spake like this man. They couldn't resist his miracles, for they said, we have never seen it on this fashion. They couldn't resist his heart, because when they seen, when he seen them scattered like sheep, having no shepherd, he was moved with compassion. They couldn't resist his touch because he touched the lepers. He touched the cripples. He touched their blinded eyes. He touched their broken hearts. He became food to the hungry. Health to the hurting. Hope to the lonely. Truth to the searching. He rubbed shoulders with the sinners. And he ate with the Republicans. He wasn't cocooned inside of some church. As a matter of fact, the church got on his nerves. The church broke him out in a rash. Oh, I promise you, sinners called him a friend. But the church called him a fool. Why? Because the point is, is he did not come to the healthy but to the sick. He did not come to the wealthy, but to the poor. He did not come to the church, but to the sinners. He did not come to be ministered to, but He came to minister. He came to be salt. He came to be light in a dark and dying world. And after all that, you can hear Him say, go and do likewise. In other words, get off your duff and get out of your church and you go be light. You go be salt. You go be hope and health. You go be love and mercy. You go and be Jesus Christ in the incarnate. The early church set the standard high because they said every 10 years they grew a mind-boggling, astounding 40% every 10 years for 185 years. How did they do it? How did they do it? I believe there are three reasons why the early church was so successful. Three things. Passion, power, and presence. Guys, it's an irresistible influence. Do you realize that? In a sin-infested world. It's an irresistible influence. And we run around. And we curse the darkness. Oh, I curse the darkness. I curse the darkness. Guys, the early church didn't curse the darkness. They didn't curse the darkness because cursing the darkness doesn't do anything but push it away. 
the early church just kept lighting candles. Because let me tell you something, guys. When you light a candle, it abolishes the darkness. Amen? The first reason, passion. The early church affected the world. They had an irresistible passion for Jesus Christ. When people saw their passion, they just couldn't resist it, brother. Couldn't resist it. They just wanted to be a part of that. When they saw the passion that people had, and, and we come to church, and for the most part, this, you know, this church is blessed, and it's different than most churches I've been in. But guys, i got to be honest with you. I come in here sometimes, and I come in other churches across America, and I get very aggravated, and I get very disappointed at you. Because I come in here sometimes, and praise and worship is going on, and you're doing absolutely nothing. Because you're having a bad day. Well, big hairy deal. Your praise and your worship ain't got nothing to do with how your day's going. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come in here and we're more worried about, you know, who's got this and who's got that. Who can preach and who can't preach. and Who's doing this and who's got on a nice tie and who's got on a nice suit and does my shoe match my hair? And does my purse match? Does my purse match my husband's husband's suit? My God, guys, where's the salt? Where's the light? And I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying it's time that we realize it's about Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all it's about is Jesus Christ. And if you, you want to get offended, get mad at me, you go right ahead. But let me tell you something, guys. When I stand in front of Judgment Day, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell God, God, I did everything I could. I love you guys. I love you. We got a job to do. We got to see people saved for Jesus. That is it. Nothing else matters. Everything else is details. Guys, I believe that passion is defined as a fire of divine desire burning in the heart of a man or a woman. (laughs) A fire of divine desire. The early church, they burned with love and affection for their Lord and King. They burned with love and loyalty. Loyalty, there's a cuss word. Guys, I'm working on a sermon. Been working on it for a while now. About the spirit of divorce. And it ain't got anything to do It has nothing to do with a man or woman in marriage. There's a spirit of divorce in our churches. Listen, if you've been divorced, God loves you. He cares about you. You be with who you are now. You move on in Christ because all things have passed away and everything has become new. Do you hear what I'm saying? But there's a spirit of divorce in our churches that if pastor here hacks me off, there's another church down the road that I'll hit and I'll do it in a heartbeat. We have no loyalty to our churches anymore people we get in the aisles and say oh lord use me lord use me and they call you and they say hey can you help in the nursery and oh i don't know about that that's not my cup of tea i'm just not good with kids you know you know i'll be involved but don't ask me to commit oh well they'll call you and say well listen there's a we need some ushers and we need some people in the front oh oh don't don't i can't do that i'm not a people person my god in heaven there was an old man down south the flood water started coming up and a man come up in a four-wheel drive and said hey buddy you better get in the truck because the waters are coming up and he's like no bless god i'm believing god's going to take care of me he drove off the water comes up to the first floor he goes up to the second floor they come by in a motorboat they say hey man 
The, the floodwaters are coming up. You better get in the boat. No, I bless God. I believe God's going to take care of me. The floodwaters come up. The boat goes away. He goes up on top of the roof. They come by in a helicopter and they say, hey, man, you better grab the rope because the floodwaters are fixing to take your house away. He says, no, God. No, I think God's going to take care of me. I'm going to be just fine. The helicopter goes off. The, the house goes away. He drowns. He stands before God and says, Lord, I am disappointed. I cannot believe it. God looks down at him and says, what else do you want? I sent you a four-wheel drive, a motorboat, and a helicopter. Guys, all I'm saying is it is time for Jesus. Amen? It is time that if you have an opportunity to minister, then do it. Oh, but Brother Josh, you know, you don't know my past. And you know what? I'm an evangelist, and I do not care about your past. Everybody else has a has a past. You need to forget yours. Oh, but I've made mistakes. I've, I've faltered. I've failed. Do you think God's some kind of idiot? Do you think God's some kind of moron? He knew everything that was ever going to happen in your life before you were ever born. He and you're sitting right now in 2010 with everything that God wants you to have for you to be able to get out there and do something for His kingdom. Amen. The early church burned with love and loyalty. And I'm coming to a close. For their Savior and Redeemer. And when they were commanded not to speak or preach in the name of Jesus, they said, we cannot speak but of the things we have seen and heard. Why they had a passion for Jesus Christ. And when they were threatened and beaten for their testimony, and said, we ought to obey God rather to live. They were mocked and beaten and stoned and even crucified. But they said, no one thrills my soul like Jesus. He's more than life to me. He's the rarest of 10,000. My blessed Lord, I say, good God, Lord, give us a passion. Lord, give us a passion for something that we just quit meandering along through life and, 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 and just whatever comes along by our way. Give us a passion for Jesus Christ. It is my prayer, my personal prayer that God lights a, a fresh fire of desire in the church today that we will, we will be able to uplift our Savior, Jesus Christ, and people will see it for what it is and, 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 and have a passion. For our Savior that is sending us to heaven. They possessed an irresistible passion. And secondly, they possessed an irresistible power. A power to lay hands on the sick and they just recover. Where's that gone to now, guys? Let me tell you something. You lose your passion, you lose your power. Let me say that one more time. You lose your passion, you lose your power. They had an irresistible passion and power to take on Satan toe-to-toe and come out on top every time. They had a power to preach the gospel with clarity and conviction so that they that heard them, the multitudes, cry out, what must we do to be saved? Amen? Where's that at, guys? It existed more than a 100 years ago. The church had a power to tear down strongholds. And they cast out every imagination. How did they do it? I'll tell you how they did it. Jesus promised the church that you shall receive the power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And in thy name, you shall cast out devils. In thy name, you shall lay hands on the sick and recover. 
And I say that to you, and some of you in here look at me like I've lost my mind. Guys, that is the, 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 the power and the words of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that said when you receive Him and our, and Lord and Savior, and you have no other gods before you, and He possesses your life, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives inside of you, that you can cast out devils and heal the sick. Guys, that should be exciting to us, amen? That should be exciting. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 19 and 11. God brought great miracles by the hands of Paul. Peter and John possessed a great power. Man at a gate called beautiful. Cripple. It was his ankles. Wasn't nothing nothing wrong with his legs. It was his feet and his ankles. Read it. Man at a gate called beautiful. With an ugly problem. (laughs) Oh, I could preach, but I'm trying to pass it on. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And two guys come by from a red-hot prayer meeting. He's got his little cup. He's shaking it. And I'm I'm sure Peter and John are sitting there, you know, pull pockets inside out, lift up his dress tail, you know. (laughs) Guys, silver and gold have I none. But such I have this irresistible power that sickness cannot resist it. Give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he entered the temple leaping and praising. And all of the people were filled with wonder and amazement. There's a question. How long has it been? How long has it been, guys? Since our community has been filled with wonder and amazement. At the irresistible power as we walk down the street. Oh, y'all, y'all shouting now big time, man. Let me check my notes. If, if not shouting here, move on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <sighs> How long has it been since the world has been filled with wonder and amazement, the power and light and might in our lives? Guys, we must have the power back. We've got something to do. We've got to get the passion and the power back in the lives of people again. Let me close. Lastly, they possessed an irresistible presence. Acts 17 and verse 6. And all the people cried out, These are who have turned the world upside down and have come hither also. Guys, let me tell you something. When the early church showed up, people knew they were in town, they had a presence. Amen? An irresistible presence. The early church was a recognizable presence. There was a book written by Rodney Stack. You ought to read it. It's a good book. The Rise of Christianity. He writes, An extraordinary expansion of Christianity in the first and second century was due to their passion for Jesus Christ, was due for their presence in the face of the enemy. Guys, don't you find it amazing that a persecuted church... In the first couple of centuries that it was even created, often a group of people, (laughs) uneducated group of people, not only did they survive, but they thrived. Why? Because their presence mattered. And I believe the key reason was their willingness to sacrifice themselves and to reach out and love each other. When the early church showed up, guys, their presence really mattered. When is the last time you have walked into Walmart 
and said, there's a Christian. Guys, I'm not talking about hair on a knot. A long dress, long shirt on, no makeup. And you know what I'm talking about in here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the light that is inside of you that emits like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. My original question at the beginning of this sermon is would we really be missed if we were gone today? If the rapture happened right now, would we really be missed by this world that we live in? Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this message that you have placed on my heart to share to these people, Lord Jesus. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you that a seed has been planted in people's lives, Lord God, that they take it how they will, but that it would help help open some eyes, Lord Jesus, that, that we, we're, we're about you, Lord Jesus. We're about you, God. It's all about you, and it's all about getting people saved. Nothing else matters. Lord God, let's tend to your kingdom work first, and then you can tend to our lives later. Amen. In your precious holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, guys, I want to shift gears a little bit right now. And I, some of you that have been here, been in the service, and over the last couple of days, we've had a great meeting. We had 50 people saved at the prison. I mean, we've had, we've had people's lives changed. We've had people just come to the altar weeping. And you know what? I'm so thankful for Mike Guffey for having us back in. Thank you, Mike. I love you, brother. I love you. You, you. Anytime you need me, you just call me, brother. My team will be at your disposal. I love that man right back there. He's a true Christian, guys. He's a true Christian. He's an amazing man of God. Just when he called me last year and said he wanted to have us back in, I was just, well, wow. Yeah, that man back there is the first man that believed in us. Brand new ministry, brand new title. Just getting started. Mike called me and said, I believe in you. I'll take you. Thank you, Mike. Guys, let me tell you something, though. Our ministry, we move a little bit differently. We, we don't charge churches. We don't charge schools. We don't tell people that we need a certain amount of money uh, before we'll come or anything like that. We just come simply believe in God. And we need your help. Over the last couple of days, I think we've raised five, $600. Guys, we have a need this morning of about $4,200, $4,300 on top of what Mike Guffey has already given us to make this huge crusade work. And we need your help. We really do. We need each and every one of you in here to believe in us, to pull out your checkbook, pull out your wallet, and say, hey, I believe in these guys. you got to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. This is fertile soil. This is fertile soil for you to receive a harvest in. And I'm not going to go into great prosperity message. That's not what I'm here for. Well, guys, we need your help. We need the church body, Sunday morning church body, to stand up and say, hey, we believe in you. And we need you guys to dig deep and help us because we need your help. Between now, the 3 o'clock and the 7 o'clock program, we need to raise about $4,200, $4,300. And you know what? It's going, to take, it's going to take everybody to do it. i got a huge team here. We've got six guys. And you know what? I want to make sure not only can I pay these guys, but I can pay the, the airfare and all the details that are involved with it. But we need your help right now. The ushers are going to come forward, and they're going to pass out an envelope to everybody here. And you know what, guys? I'm, I'm the type of person that if God lays something on my heart, I'm going to preach it. I told uh, 
buddy of mine told me, he said, man, you might not want to preach. That message is pretty rough. I said, look, God put it on my heart. I'm going to preach it. I need you to believe in us, guys. When you get this envelope, make your check out to the church, Kingway Baptist Church. We need some heroes in here. We need some people that will stand up to the plate, write a $1,000 check, cover an entire school, $500, $300. If everybody in here does a sacrifice, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that you'll feel. And you know what? A lot of people said, oh, well, I just can't. You know, the, the economy's down. I believe personally that you should give more. When the economy's down, because it's easy to give when everything's going good. It's not so easy to give when everything's not so great, amen? But that's where we receive our blessings, ladies and gentlemen, when we put our faith in God. And you know what? Right now, you get this offering envelope. I just want you to hold it up in the air. I just want you to hold it to God. And I want to pray over this. Everybody get this offering envelope. Just hold it up. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that the, that you bless the giver, Lord God, that you, that you return into their life sevenfold what they put in this envelope, Lord Jesus, whether it be in their finances, their family. Lord God, you know, this is, you, this is a completely fertile soul ministry, Lord God. We are seeing thousands and thousands of people saved, and this ministry is going to flourish and continue because you have given me that. You have told me that and, and eased my mind. God, let them know that this ministry is fertile soul that they will receive a great harvest, Lord God, in this lifetime or the next. 30, 60, 100 fold in this lifetime or the next, Lord God. I pray right now in your precious name that you take every gift that is given in this offering, you multiply it, and you multiply it into our lives, you multiply it back into their lives, and you meet our need, Lord, Lord Heavenly Father. I pray this in your precious name. In your precious name, amen. Amen.